Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these bite-sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. back to Humanize Your Workplace. This week, we have Julie Gessen, who's a licensed physician assistant and the executive suite of the Schweiger Dermatology Group, and she serves as a vice president of operations. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to chat again and have some really fun questions, I think, to kind of throw yeah. out your way. Um, I'd love to kind of kick things off to get to know you a little bit more. Can you share somebody who... Uh, you would really like to thank for really giving you the professional courage and making you who you are today. I feel like you've accomplished a lot. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so I probably have to thank um, my direct boss, Dr. Eric Schweiger. Um, I met him in 2011, and you know, he didn't. He was just starting his business, and. He hired me as a PA full time. And in a few years after that, I realized that I didn't want to just be seeing patients and be a PA. And any other physician, probably anywhere else, would say, listen, that's where your license is. That's what you're educated in. You know, you're making my business money doing that. It's really hard to take the risk and not, and, and have you do something else. And we were similar. And I think he knew that if he didn't allow me to pursue other interests, he was going to lose me one way or another. So he really allowed me to do that. And so I think that first step was important. And then from there, he's always pushed me, not in this like kind, gentle way, more in the way that I'll yell and scream at him. And then I'll realize a day later <laughs> that he's completely right. And I was reacting one way or another, but he's never allowed things like lack of experience, or maybe it's my age and definitely not gender, any of those things that sometimes get in our heads and hold us back to hold me back at all. He always kind of pushes me to try to be, try to be three steps ahead and think about things others aren't and really emotional intelligence too. Um, and so, you know, I picked up a lot of good from him, definitely some bad habits as well <laughs> as with anyone who's, who's, you know, you're working closely with, but the truth is that I wouldn't be in the position I was today if he didn't push me. And he's never one to, to, you know, give applause, to be honest. He's never one to congratulate or anything like that. He's very reserved in accolades. But I think just the opportunities he's given me and situations he's put me in, and I'll look around the room and be like, how did I get here and why am I here? But I, I've always felt like I've had a seat at the table at the appropriate time. And also not pushing me too early. So not, you know, I banged my fist on the table and said, I want, you know, this title or this role. And he's kind of said, no, we're not yet. And I was so upset about that. But the truth is then, you know, a year later, two years later, I realized I, I wasn't ready and, and kind of setting me up for success. So I think I think I have to thank him, even though I don't. I don't love to all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, it's so cool because you've definitely had a really evolution in your career from being a PA, but still working in the organization. And I, I think sometimes we forget just because you came in for a certain role, does it mean you have to necessarily climb the ladder or what have you in that role? There might be right. other positions. And I think it's cool that he was able to sponsor you at moments, yes. <laughs> to kind of, you know, bring you up. And it's, 
to me, I think it's fascinating because you oversee 600 employees in, in 50 locations. It's not yeah. a small practice, you know, right, that you shifted right. from. Right. I am, no, it's crazy. <laughs> I am curious too. No, it really is. It's so it's so different. It's so many people. And I'm just curious because last time we talked, we, we talked a little bit about kind of group goals. And I'm curious mm-hmm. from your perspective, if you can tell us a little bit more about your organization and what type of goals you might be working towards. Obviously, with so many locations and so many people, I'm sure that there's a lot of moving parts um, sure. at any given time. Yeah. So, um, you know, goals we really set, you know, I would say start at the top. Um, so we set goals every year as a company. And we do this, actually, our leadership team takes two days off site, and we set our company goals for the next year. And we actually just did this in early October, where we kind of put all of our, you know, I would say personal goals or things that we think we want to accomplish on the wall. And then we go one by one as a group, and there's 13 of us, and decide if this happens, you know, will we look at that as a successful year? And if this doesn't happen, you know, how does that affect the company? And so these are really big, high level, not one person goals. These are, you know, growth goals and patient satisfaction goals and, and all of these different things. And they all have sub goals in between them. But we really agree on five goals that if we do all five, you know, next year would be super successful. And if we don't do one of these five, it would be really detrimental. And there are other things that people have, but you have to look at everything and say, well, if we didn't do this next year, would we still be in existence as a company? Would we still, you know, like really big decisions. And we say, yes, we could still mm-hmm. be a running company if we didn't do that fun thing. So we pick those goals and then all of us, all 13 of us under those goals, pick our sub goals that are going to help achieve those. So you may have four in patient satisfaction and only one in, you know, acquisitions. Cause I, maybe you're not as involved in that. And those then trickle down to your own goals. And then I share those goals with my direct team and we come up with kind of the same cadence. Okay. What in their goals feeds up into these, et cetera, et cetera. So when you get down to that, like office level staff, you realize, okay, what can they affect? What can't they affect? Well, they probably can't affect practices we buy, but they can definitely affect patient satisfaction. So when you get down to the medical assistant level or the front desk or the provider or, you know, the general manager, then you start to weight the goals. So, you know, the general manager probably is patient facing and has the highest, you know, touch of a patient. Well, then maybe 50% of their, you know, KPIs would be around patient satisfaction. So that's kind of how we cascade our goals down um, and make sure that everybody's looking at something and nothing can get missed. So if no one has employee satisfaction on their on their goals we go back and say hey one of the five was employee satisfaction and this only got to you know the second tier of managers well it's not going to get done if only 25 people are talking about it so how do we cascade this down so that's really that's high level kind of what we do for goals no that's so interesting because so many organizations don't think like that and i i am curious when you ask yourself, what is a big question? So you mentioned one of, would we exist as a practice? Right. If, you know, if we didn't have the goal, are there other questions or other gauges that your group goes through to come up with those top five? Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to, of course, be, you know, how do we, how do we make money or how do we stay in business? So that's always a a big one. And that's where you're going to get your revenue goals and your profit goals and those kind of things. Second is definitely around patient satisfaction. So are there things that if we don't do next year, patients won't come back? 
or are there things that the, you know, the industry is changing and we have to do? So that's like things like online communication with patients or, you know, if we said we're never going to build patient portals or communicate with people electronically, like our patients would stop seeing us because people won't, don't want to call anymore. So it's making sure that patient satisfaction, um, that we're holding our, our providers to patient satisfaction standards. So that's definitely what, what would make a patient not come back and how are we mitigating that? Um, what makes people want to work here? So why do people want to work at this company? Why do they stay at this company? And what are they leaving for? So that's really our employee satisfaction. And that's a big, big question that we all have to ask because if there's something that other companies, competitors, et cetera, are doing that we're not doing, we have to look at that and say, is this feasible or how can we overcome that? Maybe we're not a hospital system. We can't, you know, give free healthcare for every specialty, but are there other kind of employee awards, opportunities, things that we can give, you know, education, growth tracks in our, in our company. So those are kind of the biggest categories that we really say, you know, we can't, if we don't have happy employees, we won't have happy patients. If we don't have happy patients, we won't make any money. So it kind of builds in that way. And what I love about it is I don't think it, it's really healthcare specifics. So you can think about client facing instead of patients, working with employees, you know, maybe oh, they're different types of employees. I don't think at what you're doing is, is specific to healthcare, which I think is awesome. No, and we didn't get it from healthcare. So, you know, I'm <laughs> so behind in so many things. You know, I really looked at tech companies and I said, what if, you know, yes, Google can give lots of free meals. We can't give free meals, but really, what is that? That's employee satisfaction. Yep. That's getting people to stay later. That's getting people to work a little bit harder. That's drawing people in. Okay, what other things can you do that draw people to your company, that get them to stay, that get them to care about your mission? Um, and so I absolutely think that it can be it, it can be adapted to so many different industries. So if we take your kind of big overarching goals, you have your five goals, and then you said you kind of, you take them and trickle them down the line, and it's very helpful to have the people who are obviously patient-facing being a part of it. They're the ones on the ground. How do you, how often do you meet? What do those meetings look like? Or conversations? Are there committees? What does that look like to get the people in those kind of, I guess you could say, verticals involved yeah. in the process to go up? Yeah, so we, um, so the leadership team meets every week, and that's the 13 of us, and the management team, which is all manager, regional managers, um, and that includes managers at the, at the um, support corporate office, so your HR, your accounting, your marketing, but in addition, it's all the field managers, too, so they're the boots on the ground, and that meeting is every week, and we talk about some of these same goals, so the goals for the managers are every week. And then their direct reports, which are our local managers to each specific office or, you know, you would say each clinic, they come into Manhattan every month. And every month we really talk to them about these goals. But in addition, we try to do activities around these goals. So it's really a day, a learning day for them where they, they can kind of put everything as best they can aside. And it's really an education day. And so we'll have speakers come in. We will teach kind of certain you know, high level topics or trends that we're seeing across the practice or best practices. And it really gets them, gives them a chance to interact with each other, which is most important, but also see that everyone has the same pain points and everyone's solving them in different ways. And how can we help standardize? How can we get feedback? And it really gives them more buy-in and consensus to their goals. And then when they go back to their office, 
they have meetings with their staff that really cascades them down. And we make sure that our regional managers are holding accountability to our local general managers to do that so that someone doesn't just attend the day meeting and then never talk about it again. So that's really, you know, it's, it's all about the feedback loop too. So if we, mm-hmm. we go to an office and I talk to a front desk person and they don't really know what, you know, patient satisfaction, how we measure it, what our goals are, then it tells me, hey, this isn't getting all the way through. And let's, let's try to think about that another way. And that's great because I think it it loops in, obviously, accountability and kind of going through the process to make sure that things are happening because there's a lot of people to be held accountable for, too, (laughs) with such a a large organization that's um, really dispersed among different places. And last time we talked, you mentioned, too, which I thought was really cool, almost like a red light, green light um, type of situation during some of your meetings. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, where we really look at... Um, kind of different pieces of our organization and how we're tracking to them. So every week I will actually have a commitment um, that feeds into that goal. So let's say my goal is to, you know, increase patient satisfaction from 78 to 80 as, as a net promoter score. There'll be lots of sub bullets under that, right? I have to make sure patients are getting their lab results and all these different things and initiatives that I'm working on. And so once I commit every week to one thing that I'm going to do, and sometimes they're small, sometimes it's get communication out about portal usage or audit something, and either I did it or I didn't do it. And if I did it, it's green. And if I didn't do it, it's red. And those roll into our quarterly goals, which roll into our yearly goals. So each quarter we have sub goals. And so it really just helps not getting to the end of the year and go, did I do that? Was I supposed to do that? How was I supposed to do that? And so those quarterly goals, red means, or I'm sorry, green means you're on track. Yellow means you're off track, but you have a plan to get back on track. So let's say with patient satisfaction, I haven't quite gotten to my goal, but I have three plans in place and I just haven't rolled them out yet. And red is, and it happens, it's I'm off track and I haven't really built the plan to get back on track. And so we really, it's a very great way. And we track this as as a spreadsheet with all of our pictures every month. And it's a great way to kind of have a visual snapshot of like, does the board look green? Does the board look red? Does the board look like, how are we doing? And so that's kind of the system that we use. So, and you're also being held accountable by everybody in the room because you're letting them know where you are. Oh, yeah. And how do you, I mean, this might be a tough question too, but I'm sure there are times where things are consistently red. How do you regroup and figure out maybe this really isn't a goal or maybe this plan really didn't make sense or something else is going on? How do you help the group or who helps the group really come back towards those goals? Yeah. So if someone has a string of of reds or we really notice there's a lot of reds in a category, the first thing we do is evaluate what the goal was. So you know, business development is a really great example of this because business development is when you buy businesses and you're only 50% of the equation. So you don't have control over the 50%, the other 50%. So sometimes we'll look at a goal and say, how much control did we really have over that? Even if you Mm -hmm. worked a hundred hours a week and you were doing your best work, like if it's red, it may not be your, your fault. In which case, was that really a good goal? Were there other things you could have really done to within your your wheelhouse and within your control to to move forward so the first thing we really do is evaluate the value of the goal and is this in our control and if it is then to say do we not have the resources was there a time like what were the actual things that impacted you from hitting that and if it's certain things that are just kind of just do it just fix it 
we come up with a plan and we fix it. And if it's really more infrastructure or, you know, things aren't sticking or the plan is what we thought the plan was one thing. And now we're realizing that was a bad plan. Then we absolutely give ourselves the, the accountability to go back and say, you know, I thought the goal was to do this, but I'm realizing that this actually isn't the goal and it's something else. And it just takes all 13 of us though, to agree on that change. So it's not just, you wake up one day and say, "Ah, I don't like that goal. I want something else. And it has to always roll into those five company priorities. And that's the biggest thing is it, it's easy to get off track and say, well, th- this week I have to work on this presentation for a client or whatever those things are. But that's not really going to ever roll up into our company priorities. So it's, it's evaluating that too. And what about resources? Because that can be tough, right? So you were mentioning you're, you know, half of the company, you might not have a stake in it. How can people ask, especially if they're on the ground and they're realizing, okay, patient satisfaction is important. I need to help with that, but I don't have the resources. Have there been a pattern or a way that people have asked for whether it's help or time or money or something that has really resonated with the 13 people who really are the decision makers within your organization? Yeah, I think with that, we have a lot of, you know, we are not in a shortage of great ideas. And that's not my company. That's across the board. I I talk to people all day long that have amazing ideas and want to execute them. But I always kind of say the idea generation is the easy part. The execution is so much harder. And it's for what you just said. It's the time. It's the resources. But a lot of time, it's even thinking through all the permeations of executing an idea. Well, if it does this, what's the fallout? What's going to happen? How do you train on that? What about someone new to the organization? How do they learn this? All of these things. So what we really encourage are whoever it is coming up with the idea and submitting it to do is go through a process. It's a cha- We call it change management, but it's really a process where you're flushing out your ideas and presenting a, a business case, if you will. So I had someone who wanted, who had a great idea for the call center, but you know, to institute it would be a really big change. And they, you know, everyone says I need more people. And the truth is generally it's not more people. It's better Mm -hmm. training. It's more, you know, using technology, all of these different things that we can do. So I really have them start thinking about a business plan and then meeting with stakeholders one-on-one to ask the questions you didn't think you were going to ask. So present your idea and get a few people's different feedback and they may think about things you've never thought of and then go research those. And the ideas that really move forward and move through and get financed and get people behind them are the ones that really come to the 13 of us as a full package. Here's my idea. Here's how much money it's going to take. Here are all of the questions you, you're going to ask. Here are all the answers. And here's the resources I need. And here's the, the ROI. Here's the impact. And it doesn't have to be dollar ROI. It could be patient satisfaction. It could be employee satisfaction, all of those things. And when those really come to the table fully flushed out, there's almost never a time that it's a no. But it's because someone has probably spent a lot of time doing all the diligence in front of it versus just saying, hey, I have an idea. And I think leadership, I think you should do this. I love that because I think oftentimes, even when we're talking about generations, I think my generation being millennial gets kind of this bad rap of coming in with ideas and guns blazing if I want to change this or do this, but sometimes we're not prepared. So thinking through, okay, this is a great idea. How will they implement it? How much time would it cost, you know, and resources and all these things creating this, not that you can't say no, but it's a harder no, or you can ask more strategic questions and actually have answers, um, whether it's the permeation of that idea or, you know, something about it. I think that's such a great suggestion for people to take a step back, think about it um, and everything that you would need to make it happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to do. And we're constantly, we feel like the little change management police because everyone will come up with an idea. And some people are in a, a management role where they can execute it without really needing sign off from us. Maybe they want to do something in their office and, you know, and it's also, you know, we like to give people autonomy. So if you want to put a poster in your office that celebrates your staff, you know, you don't have to put that through change management. We will really see that. Someone will go in, take a picture of it and say, oh, my goodness, this is great and spread it you know, through the organization. So it's not everything, but it's really operational changes, um, things that that require that money, that resource that it tends to work really well. Yeah, that's awesome. I seriously could talk to you forever about this. I think it's incredible. <laughs> One, your background, where you've kind of shifted, came from, um, and it's just really making waves within your organization. And I, I really enjoyed how you said you are looking at it from a perspective of a tech company, a startup. You're, you're going of a different mindset. And I think that's what will continue to help your organization stand out. You're taking a different perspective and looking at it at a high level. So. So thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate it. Um, I would love to know how our audience can get in touch with you if they have any questions about um, any of the areas that we were talking about today. Sure, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is at Julie Gesson. Very, very boring, but very <laughs> easy to find. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, and from there, I can give you my email. My email is jg at schweigerderm.com, which is hard to spell. So S C H. W-E-I-G-E-R-D-E-R-M.com. Um, and that's JG at Schweigerderm.com. But any of those ways are perfectly acceptable. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you again. I really appreciate it, Julie. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. And, and to our audience, if you have any questions that you want to ask Julie or you want to be featured in a, few ep a future episode, just reach out to me on Twitter at not okay, that's okay. Until next time. Thanks again for listening, but did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.